0: Station, Station, Manx Radio.
1: Health Minister Rob Collister must have thought that Christmas had come early when he was appointed just over a month ago, with his first task being to ask Tynwald for an extra £18 million to tackle the health service's significant waiting lists. Minister Collister gives us an insight into the challenges his department faces, as well as considering the challenges faced by any MHK picking up a ministerial role for the first time. Rob Collister is enjoying his ministerial honeymoon, but dark forces have a habit of raining on the health department's parade, and there are plenty of amateur. Warnings in the health forecast. I've always found Rob Collister to be open and straight with me, so this should be an insightful discussion. You've, you've got a big department, a big portfolio, and um, just over a month's experience of, of how to actually be a minister. Um, how does that actually work? Because you, you've got experience as an MHK. Um, But you've never actually been in in this sort of leadership role uh, in a department before.
0: Not in a department, obviously I was chairman of Manx Utilities for the first nine months of this administration, so I learned quite a lot in that particular role. Um, You're absolutely right, I've gone straight from being a backbench MHK, but I I have again worked in probably four or five departments over that first administration. But to come into health has been a steep learning curve i'm going into a department that is going through a significant period of challenge and change i'm also heading up a department that also has to address um, arms length organizations and that is relating to manx care and the transformational board so with all of those relationships have to be formed. And as the minister, I have to make sure I have those good working relationships in order for Manx care to deliver what it needs to deliver on an operational level. Manx and the Transformational Board delivering those changes and those recommendations from the Sir Jonathan Michaels report. And then from our point of view, we need to be um, making sure that we're developing the strategies, the policy and the legislation, along with delivering the regulation as long as, as well as creating the performance assurance frameworks to make sure that we are benchmarking Manx Care
1: in respect of what it is delivering on behalf of the people of this island, because so it was always the case that the health department basically ran the health services. Uh, that's changed, and and maybe it would be helpful for people to understand how how this works. Because as minister, you are in charge of, you are the lead. Uh, person in the Department of Health and Social Care, um, but you're not. Well, I don't know what ha, ha, what's your role on the Transformation Board, uh, and, and certainly in terms of Manx Care, Manx Care is, is effectively a, a standalone uh, organisation. I mean,
0: uh, let, just we'll go step a step back to April 2021 when. The Manx or the Department of Health and Social Care split. So in April 2021 we actually set up Manx Care. They are responsible for delivering the vital health and social care services here on the Isle of Man. The role within the Department of Health and Social Care as I've mentioned they are their role is to develop those strategies policies and legislation delivering the regulation inspections and creating the performance assurance frameworks and then we have the transformational board and their role is to focus on delivering those rec- any remaining recommendations from the Sir Jonathan Michaels report my role as the, the current minister is to help lead um, the department of health and social care through a period of significant change as i've said it's very challenging but I also have to be very focused at looking at the overall outcomes in respect of the performance, along with monitoring and evaluating the overall targets that the department sets Manx Care to deliver, and that is all outlined within the the Manx Care mandate from um, March 2021. And then, as I say, I've got to have that working relationship with the Transformational Board. But on the other side, I'm also, as well, the face in respect of reporting back to Timwald and the people of this island with regard to the changes and the services that we
1: expect to deliver on the Isle of Man. Just going back a step then. So so how I mean as a new minister um you you've been in what just around about 5 5 weeks now. Uh, what sort of support do you actually get? Uh, do you get support? I mean, is there any training offered? Do you do you have support from other ministers? Um, presumably the chief minister is there to offer advice and support. I get a lot of advice and support, but realistically I had a, an hour's handover
0: with Laurie Hooper, who was the previous minister, and then I'm on my own, really, so of the last four weeks, I've been settling into the department. I've been getting to know the team. It is a small team within the Department of Health and Social Care now. But then beyond that, I'm then forging those relationships. So I've got a very good working relationship with the chief executive of Manx Care, along with the chairman of Manx Care. And then I've obviously been introduced to the transformational team as well. Hopefully now that things are settling down, I want to get out and I want to have a look around, I want to to look at our A&E departments, I want to look around our hospital, I want to look around our social services to get to know people, I want to get a feel of what people are thinking. Obviously, um, I want to put on record my sincere thanks to everybody that has contacted me in the four weeks, um, you know, in this post. I'm surprised by how many people have reached out to me. And I do want to put also on record my sincere thanks to the officers within the department who have helped me to respond to a lot of those correspondents. I may have, you know, as the minister, I've always acknowledged and accepted those emails but then when you get into a lot of detail of them, I really do need the help of officers to make sure it's been um, funnelled to the right section within MaxCare and to get the answers for those people to the questions and concerns that they're raising.
1: Because one of the, the oft-repeated uh, and perhaps unfairly uh, uh, levelled charge is that uh, uh, ministers are wholly reliant on their civil servants and perhaps overly dependent on their civil servants and without any uh any sort of training or or, or or support to to actually know how to manage that relationship um it it would be very easy for the the civil servant to take charge how, how would you respond no to that? i think
0: it may be in other departments, but I can assure you we've got um, vacancies within our department and we're desperately trying to fill those vacancies. So that's not the case in the Department of Health and Social Care. I really have had to roll up my sleeves on day one and I've found it incredibly challenging on occasions. And it's it has caused tension, I'll be perfectly honest with that. But again, I've been able to call upon friends within the Council of Ministers to give me some advice and support. Chief Minister has been incredibly helpful and supporting as well. But as you say, I've gone into a department that is going through a period of significant challenge and change, but I'm hoping as we go into 2023, things will settle down and then our focus should be on on actually supporting Manx Care, who are responsible to delivering the day-to-day health and care
1: services here on the Isle of Man. You you mentioned uh, that uh, you've met the the chair and and the uh, chief exec of Manx Care. How is that relationship? Because I I, I have heard, and uh, maybe this is an un, unfair and and incorrect. I have heard that there are uh, s- certainly some tensions between DHSC and uh, Manx Care. Uh, is that the case? Not in the first four
0: weeks that I um, have taken up the role. I think, to be fair, uh, you know, as finances get tight over the next couple of years because of this cost of living crisis, because of inflation there will be pressures and there will be times when almost certainly that uh, Manx care and the Department of Health and Social Care will not agree. And I think it's how you work through those problems. But as I say, I have a good relationship so far. and I, I really hope that continues into the foreseeable future because the only way we are going to change the delivery and the services that people expect on this island is to make sure we have that close working relationship. But it will not be without challenge in the weeks
1: and months to follow. Because, of course, it is, I would say, dead easy for for the department and Manx Care to reach an agreement about what needs to be delivered in terms of uh, health priorities for the people of the Isle of Man. It becomes much more complicated um, when you introduce the need for um, finite budgets. And uh, many of the problems, I think, that uh, the health service faces Uh, is is, uh, in relation to those financial constraints. Yeah, I think budgeting and
0: financing will become very difficult and I think it will be a challenge. And especially when people are asking for new services and um, new drugs to be introduced, that may become more difficult because we do have to remember that we're in a high inflation area at the moment. We are in the middle of a cost of living crisis where all general costs are increasing. So there is some tough decisions to be made there's, there's no doubt without that but that doesn't mean that we can't all work together and just to go back to your saying about the relationship between Manx Care and the department you know Manx Care has just published its very first annual report as the minister and the part on behalf of the department it's my duty to respond to that report that report and my response is now tabled to go in Timwold in December and it's, it's because it's the first one and because Manx Care Um, have to get through COVID, and we're still not out of that yet. But we have to give them a lenience. You can see in that report, and in our response, we thank them for all of their dedicated work, especially getting the island through COVID. But as we go into year two, there will be more pressure applied to Care to deliver those objectives, because they are under immense pressure to deliver the savings, to improve efficiencies. But then at the same time, We've also got to deliver the core services. And as the new minister, I also want to make sure at the end of this administration that people actually feel that this is a great in, you know, great sector to come and work in. But at the same time, we also want to change the culture and behaviour across all of... Not just in the
1: department, but also across Bank's care And in terms of the budget, hmm. um, how, how does this actually work in the new relationship? Presumably... Uh, it, Department of Health and Social Care um, is, is granted the budget and then uh, Manx Care is paid a, a particular um, amount out of the budget that's been granted to Health yeah. and Social Care. Yeah, I mean,
0: according to the pink book for 2022-23, obviously the department was given um, a gross budget of £288 million. Pounds. From that, we passed £283 to, million um, to Manx Care. However, according to Manx Care's own annual report, they spent £279 million, which included that supplementary vote when we had to go back to Timwald and ask for a further £9.9 million. I think what's affected that budget figure is the lack of income because of COVID and, and maybe the private wing being shut and increased costs. So as we go into the next financial year things are going to be tight and I know there'll be pressure when people ask for new services or new drugs to be introduced. That may be when
1: things really get tighter. And I can't think of a better time to be made minister than coming into the department and being told, our oh, minister, uh, we've got a, 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 an extra uh, tray of sweeties that, that we're going to be asking Tinwald for um it's all all set up all you need to do is deliver the speech and there's there's 18 million quid uh, coming into the department which is between 5 and 10% of of the overall budget that that, that must have been a, a nice uh, a, a sort of introduction well it was a nice
0: introduction but i think as tim members um shown within the debate we had i think everybody absolutely acknowledged that we have to reduce our waiting lists. The only way we can do that is to actually punch a hole through it and to actually get them done. And over the last couple of years, we have spent £21 million in order to significantly reduce our waiting times here on the island. And we are in a significantly better place than the UK because the UK are talking about having to reduce their waiting list due to COVID-19 over three, four years. So we have significantly um, better than the UK but there's still more to be done, and we still need to reach that sig- that significant milestone of getting referral to treatment within eighteen weeks, but we're not near that at the moment, but we have brought some of the waiting list down from eighty five weeks all the way down just to you know to a few weeks, which is excellent news and I think it's worth mentioning that that twenty one million pounds has um, allowed over four thousand operations to be had that is the quality of life. Um, for people in our community to be improved and I think many of those will be contributing within our community so instead of them being a burden on our on our health service they're now contributing once again to our community and I think again that is something we cannot get away from the fact that, that we are helping people to better their own lives and I think the other thing is, which was very clear from two more members, we do have to make sure we report back and to make sure that we're absolutely explaining exactly where that money is being spent. But I think it's the right decision to, to make those tough decisions to spend the money now, because if not, then we'll have, there will be a, a significant burden at some point because they will be sitting on the waiting list for maybe another year, 18 months. And by that time, the cost would have increased anyway. So we have to grasp the nettle
1: get them done and make the people's lives better and this punching a hole I mean, look, mm. look, just just so i i can understand uh, i understood it was 18 million that you went for the 21 million that you're talking about is what has been spent in, in yes. previous years. £18.3
0: million is what I took to um, Timwald, or, or the October sitting of Timwald and that was to get over 3,800 operations done. But we have also to acknowledge that in a previous sitting that we've spent around £2.1 million, pounds, and we've got about another 200, 250 operations done for that across different parts of our health service. So we have made a significant strides or steps forward to reduce our waiting list, and what we've got to do now and this is the responsibility of manx Care, is that we manage those waiting lists and i think one of the concerns that came in the timwell debate is we don't want to suddenly find in two or three years that we're back to this point we've got to keep on top
1: of our waiting lists eighteen weeks is the target for for most areas. Presumably, uh, uh, th- there will be more urgent cases that that need a more urgent response. But generally speaking, you're, you're looking at an eighteen week wait. Yeah, the the
0: eighteen weeks is an is an ultimate target, and that actually is referral to treatment time, known as RTT. That is our that's where we'd like to strive to get. But a lot of the most of the um, waiting lists now have either come down to a handful of weeks or some of them are less than a year, which is significantly better
1: than the 85 weeks that we currently had before we went to Timbald. So just for absolute clarity then, um, after the 18 million is spent... Are you able to meet this uh, the eighteen week target?
0: No, we're nowhere near the eighteen week target. That's an aspiration that we want to achieve. At the moment, we've we're reaching We're down towards the fifty two weeks, so we've got a long way to come. But there are some waiting lists that have now come down just to a handful of weeks.
1: So, so what does the eighteen million actually deliver then in terms of those reductions? Is, is I mean, are we going to be less than fifty two weeks? I mean, I'm not not looking for exact figures, but uh, are we looking at less than? Uh, 52 weeks um uh, you know, somewhere between the 18 weeks and the 52 weeks that we're at now well or? some of the procedures are coming down from day cases and
0: um, inpatients from 58 weeks to just 18 weeks there's others that have actually come down and are going to remove them from the waiting list so it's a significant change um but as you say there's other waiting lists that are still around the 52 weeks on average uh, but as they were striving the aim is to get it down to that 18-week referral to treatment, but we're not there yet. But it's a great start,
1: Aurelius. And of course, you referred to members of Timble quite rightly, pointing out there's no point in punching a hole through, uh, to use your term, the, uh, the the waiting lists, only to see that uh, you haven't got enough money to keep the the waiting lists down, and they they creep up again in in, in future years. Um, How confident are you that there's going to be sufficient budget to that that this this hole-punching exercise is actually going to be a a, a uh, long-term sort of future change in in what people can expect from the health service?
0: Well, it is actually waiting lists are one of the key objectives within the mandate, so it will be referenced every year. So if we see that it's an amber, or more importantly if it's a red, then we will be certainly questioning the waiting times so it is one of the key objectives within our mandate and the mandate is my bible is the minister that I will be carrying in my back pocket as i've said in a previous interview but it's the, the document that we hold manx care to account. So, for example, some of the, the ones that are absolutely very clear here, they've got to demonstrate um, financial balance. So we know that's going to be tricky, but we've got to work with them. And that's where we're going to re- rely heavily on Treasury helping us to try and bring Manx care into budget throughout the financial. They've got to embed and lead an you know, efficient and robust corporate clinical and care governance structure so that's another one they've got to be done and this is the one we're talking about waiting times for mandated services to be reduced to levels comparable with development um, of health and care systems in around the world so we judge ourselves in the uk our waiting list will be significantly less than uk so that's really really good Other ones that are in there they've got to demonstrate a continuous improvement in workforce engagement personnel and professional development yeah manx care also have to help us to reach um, net zero greenhouse and um, gas emissions by 2050. Um, you know, there's some in here that absolutely that I think are absolutely right. And um, one of the ones that I'm very passionate about is they've got to adopt and embed a principle of continuous improvement in design, development and delivery of our health and care services here on the island. So this is the document that I will be holding Manx Care to account. And then every year, as you say, they've published their report. We will then check that report against our our mandate, and then we will issue our response. And the first response going before Tim will, I think, there's only um, one green. I think there's a lot of amber, and there's a lot of red. So there's a lot of room for improvement in year two, and we will be working closely with Manx Care to improve that report next year. And COVID
1: is a fair to middling excuse for for those ambers and reds.
0: I think COVID has. Put a, a significant pressure on the health and care service, not just here in the Isle of Man, but across the world. And I think it'll be wrong of us not to acknowledge that point and the fact that they have to bounce back from where they were in 2019, you know, because waiting lists have been delayed, services have been delayed. We know there's an increase for um, access to services. And I think one of the key things from myself, from speaking to so many people, even just in the first four weeks, accessing services is one of the key hurdles we have to overcome getting service once you're in there is is fine and i think most of the reports i'm getting and i'm extremely grateful for people who come up to me and say i've had a great service and it's surprising most of the complaints i'm getting about service is through email most of the people who are happy with the service are coming up to me and i'm surprised it's about 50 50. So I'm really pleased with the feedback we're getting. I think on the I think majority of people are happy with the service once they're receiving it. Accessing services is one of those things we need to overcome.
1: At Eitherman Energy, we have products and services to help customers manage and reduce their energy usage. From smart home thermostats that allow you to control your heating
0: and hot water from your phone or smart speaker, through to the latest ultra-efficient boilers that use less energy and are available with extended payment terms over five years and warranty included. Find out more at IsleOfManEnergy.IM or call 644. Isle of Man Energy. Energy for every generation. T's and C's apply. I love to drive. drive smarter. Drive more reliable. Drive a great deal at Manin Motors. With a superb range of cars for every budget, always available. And if we don't have it, we'll source it. Plus, servicing, valeting, and prestige detailing too. Manin Motors, Richmond Hill Douglas. Find us on Facebook or call 420-420. That's 420-420. Drive
1: a better bargain at Manin Motors. They're switch and save. Compromising by switching from the familiar to something cheaper, and there's Shoprite Switch and Save. There's no comparison because there's no compromise. Only Shoprite has hundreds of Sainsbury's alternatives to the usual brands, quality you can be 100% sure of, and up to 35% less. Save over a third at the checkout. With stores across the island, why shop anywhere else? right proudly locally owned. <laughs> Above deck or below, Harbour Marine
0: Services has all your boating needs in one place. From engine sales and servicing to charts, books, dinghies and trailers, electronics, navigation, ropes, rigging and safety. Over 2,000 square feet of stock to help you stay safe on the water. Call 822-995 or find us on Facebook. For all your chandlery supplies, set your course to Harbour Marine Services next to Castle Down Harbour. Crown Ballet presents The Nutcracker, November the 1st and 2nd at the Gaiety Theatre. Book now to see this glittering new production, telling the classical tale of good and evil set to Tchaikovsky's much-loved score. Don't miss The Nutcracker, November the 1st and 2nd at the Gaiety Theatre. Tickets available now at villagaiety.com or on 600 555.
1: Dear Santa, this Christmas I would like more customers and more sales, please. I have been very good.
0: There are more reliable ways to make sure your business gets what it needs this winter. At Manx Radio, we'll create tailor-made advertising solutions to get you the results you want over the festive season and into the new year. Call our friendly sales team now on 682620 and give your business a really happy Christmas and New Year with the nation station, Manx Radio. Can I have
1: a new bike too?
0: No, buy your own.
1: you're listening to health minister rob Collister, mhk prior to seeing inflation reaching double figures 10% uh, at the moment um sir jonathan michael's when he did his report he he uh, said that was it somewhere around 9 10 million pounds more was needed to ensure that the health service can run uh, reasonably well um, that money has been made available by the treasury by Government uh, by Timewell, for that matter. Um, obviously, though, we've we've now had this ten uh, percent increase uh, in in, in you know, te- effectively is a ten percent increase in inflation because inflation has been so low for so long. Um, how how is the department and indeed Manx Care going to cope if there is not a, a, a commensurate ten percent increase in budget? Well, the, Sir Jonathan Michael's
0: recommendation was inflation plus three point zero three percent minus one and a half percent which is the savings and efficiencies that manx care have to deliver so that's the calculation but obviously i don't think when sir jonathan wrote that report he was thinking that inflation would reach double figures so we'll have to wait and see what the budget is next year it will be challenging regardless of what it where it is set and we have to work very closely to deliver the core services I think the pressure will come when we try to deliver new services. Where do we find the funding for that? And I think over the next 18 months, we've just got to be careful and we've got to identify those core services and we've got to have that really close working relationship. We've got to be honest with people when we can't deliver services and we've got to explain that to the people to say we can't deliver it because of this, and but it's not the fact that... It's not our aspiration to deliver it. So that 18 weeks, for example, when we talked about, you know, that's our our sort of gold standard we want to reach, referral to treatment within 18 weeks, that may not be possible for three or four years, purely because of the financial pressure under at the moment. But that doesn't mean that we're not striving to reach that point during this administration at some point.
1: But if, uh, you know, if if you're to follow Sir Jonathan Michael's uh, formula, we're looking at potentially a, a 20 million pounds increase in the department's budget next year um and of course there hasn't been a commensurate increase in 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 taxes uh, or you know tax take um so somewhere there's going to be some level of pressure and you know bearing in mind you've just had this uh, 18 million vote um if you're looking for 20 million and you only get 10 um, a couple of years and, and you'll be back to where you started, started Agreed, so we've got to get the balance right and again I do
0: want to put on record that I you know, I think the department and Maxcare have had significant support from um, Timwold, from Council of Ministers, from government the question is whatever the budget is, and obviously um, we don't know what the budget is until it's announced, um, but I think whatever that is, we've got to work within the parameters of what we get as you say, I still think there's room for us to review some of the services. So, for example, getting the patient, the private patient ward open. And that is something I'm asking Manx Care to look at. And I'm hoping that will happen because that will generate some income. I think looking at some of the services and some of the really difficult decisions. So take, for example, prescriptions. I know everybody, when I did an interview previously, everyone thinks I'm going to automatically increase um, prescription charges. I'm not. What I'm asking for is, is there a way of actually delivering those prescriptions more fair and equitable, but at the same time raising it some more income? That doesn't mean we're going to increase prescription charges. That may be a case that what we do is lower prescription charges. But what we actually do is we remove some of the exemptions for some of the classes. At the same time we're generating some income which goes back in to deliver the core services that we need over the next 18 months. That was, that's my idea when I had a very simple look at it, but that's one item that we could look at. Private patients is another
1: one. Well just, I mean if we we focus for a bit on on prescription charges then, Um, I, I know one of the easiest things in the world for governments to do is introduce new services or free services one of the hardest things is to then decide that actually the free service becomes a paid for service or indeed uh, a service is removed. Um, the administration that uh, I, I was part of, the, one of the th- decisions that we took was that uh, retirement age should be the age at which free things start to happen. Prior to that, it had been uh, arbitrarily picked at uh, 60 uh, that had, had been the age, Um that, there was quite a significant public backlash against that. And yet, you know, you, you can reasonably argue that uh, what, people aged 60 are probably at the peak of their earning capacity um, in most cases. Now, I recognise some people may have retired by then, but uh, in most cases, people are at the peak of their earning capacity. Yeah. So, so is it something like that that you're looking at or uh, how... how I, uh, well, I suppose to start with, what what hmm. is the scale of the the prescription budget? What what, what okay? What's well, let's the cost? let's
0: just step back a little bit. You know, when the NHS was set up in nineteen forty eight, prescriptions, believe it or not, were free. Um, but then, in the early fifties, they started to increase charges. What we do know is that um, Wales abolished prescription fees in two thousand seven, Northern Ireland in two thousand ten, and Scotland in two thousand and eleven. Now, in the UK they um, charge at the moment £9.35 per item or they offer a prepayment certificate for um, you know £30 um, for three months or £54 for 12 months the Isle of Man is somewhere in between so here on the Isle of Man we charge um, £3.85 per item so we are significantly um, less than England But we also have to acknowledge that Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland offer it for free. But we are a small island with limited resources. So that opens up this discussion. Here in in the Isle of Man, prescription charges total around £16 million. So that's the income that government that's, gets? Well, well, no, that's that's how much it costs us. Oh, right, OK. costs us £60 million. Out of that, over 95% is free in some shape or form. So as a government, we collect less than a million pounds in prescription fees. So there is definitely scope there, and I know it's a difficult conversation, but if I could... Look at the charges, you know, lower it a little bit, but remove some of the exemptions and then ring fence that to MaxCare to deliver some of the core services to help us balance the books as inflation is so high and the cost of living is so great. And we know as well, I think the other thing to actually to put on record, just to let the public know, the actual cost, as I've said already, is um, £3.85 on the Alman per item. But we have to understand the actual cost to our health service is around £10 per item. So it is significantly being subsidised. So there is scope there to seriously look at it. And the cost for drugs due to Brexit, inflation, the raw materials, where they're coming from, it has significantly increased and it is continuing to increase So we have to make some tough decisions, and this is one that I feel we can make tough decisions, however difficult that may be, but at the same time trying to make the system more fair and equitable. And that doesn't mean that the Isle of Man will increase its prescription charges beyond £3.85. It may be, as I've said, we reduce it slightly, but I remove some of the exemptions. But I want to seriously look at the policy, and and
1: that's something I, I'm intended to do in the weeks and months to come. And and just exploring then some of the issues because uh, I've uh, been there uh, at different times of, of of having these discussions. I mean, the argument against um, pr- prescription charges is that effectively it's taxing sick people. Um, of course, as you've described, there are so many exemptions in there, primarily uh, for people who have long-term conditions. Uh, that means that, uh, effectively, the only people who are paying are generally people who are, in normal circumstances, healthy and earning. Um, so, uh, so there is a there is a sort of an argument that says, um, rather than paying three eighty-five, you should be paying close to ten pounds. By removing those, some of the exemptions, you you then are potentially removing exemptions from people who have longer term um, issues. Um, so surely um, the thought you know, in terms of fairness should be more about uh, increasing presci- prescription charges for those who can afford to pay. Rather than uh, taking them away from those who have long-term illness. Well, as I say, I need to review the
0: exemptions, and I think what it won't be in the future is a charge. It's more of a contribution because, as you say, at the moment those prescription charges are around three eighty-five per item, but the actual cost to the service is over ten pounds, or around ten pounds. So we just got to look at it and get fairness in it. I think reaching out to people who actually do obtain prescriptions and asking for their views that's something i will pick up with manx care and to see if we can actually look at this because it has we have tried previously uh, you know to put this through tynwald and the house of keys but it's always hit a buffer and there's the argument around should it be free should it be more costly Should we increase the exemptions? Should we remove the exemptions? So every time it's been incredibly difficult. But as finances get tight due to inflation, due to general cost increases, maybe this is one item that it's the time that we have that tough discussion and we actually look at people saying they will make a contribution towards their medicine, but not to pay the full cost. It will be significantly less than that. But this, you know, I've only been in post four weeks. It's one of those things I want to look at. I want it to be fair. Um,
1: to everybody and that's something I will pick up in, in the weeks to come because one of the other elements to this of course is drug waste and uh, I don't know whether you have the figures for Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland but um, one of the concerns that um, pharmacists have, have ha- had raised when these sorts of discussions were going on when I was still in Tynwald, uh, one of the concerns was if it's free People don't value it as much as if they had to pay something towards it. And, uh, you know, the, the concern is that there's a, a significant amount of that 16 million pound uh, prescription budget uh, goes on drugs which generally sit in the cupboard and eventually uh, are either flushed down the to- toilet or, or thrown into the incinerator. Yeah, we have to, to look at the waste. Um,
0: again, I'm grateful people who have corresponded with me and said, you know, they have stopped you know, repeat prescriptions and suddenly weeks later it's still coming in the post or it's still there to be collected and then it has to be wasted and, and destroyed. So we do have to look at the waste. This is all part of this wider review. But this is just one item that we need to seriously look at in this administration. There's a lot to look at. But as you say, that's one that's in my radar. Obviously, um, you know, patient transfer is another one I want to to look at the whole patient transfer experience um but i do want to put on record my sincere thanks to the patient transfer team this is not targeted to them the the feedback i've got as minister is they have do an amazing job for everybody that travels off island for treatment so i do thank them for their hard work but i do want to have a look at the patient experience you know when they're picked up from home when they're taken to the airport how they how they're dealt with on the flight their experience how they're treated in the uk and how they come back because i've traveled you know a while ago and i happen to be on one of those early morning flights and i don't feel patients are being treated fair you know, sometimes, and I think there is. We need to have a look at that system. Is there a better way of allowing people maybe to be staggered? You know, if they want to to go later in the day, is the more that we could be doing over video conferences? Is the more that we should be bringing people to the island? You know, if um, one of the big concerns I have got from people corresponding, and it's surprising when you become health minister, how many people do correspond with you? My inbox has just exploded. Um, but one of the things people um, have said to me is they get appointments in the UK sent to them. But then there's no um, t- there's no seat on the plane the, ne- the day when they need it, so they're being asked to go the day before, which is then incurring costs because the department will only give them um fifty pounds for a hotel, um, and or seventy seven pounds if it's in London. And if you're staying in Liverpool at the moment, especially on a Wednesday or on a Saturday or, you know, any day, it's very difficult to find a hotel now in Liverpool for £50. So all of that needs to be changed is the ways that we can improve the system that when someone gets an appointment from the UK, there's already a ticket booked. And it is only just a case of getting on the plane and coming back the same night is the better is the things we could deliver it better so these are things i want to seriously look at and it's only from people corresponding with me that i'm made aware that the system isn't quite right so that's one of my priorities for the for this for this term anyway and it is down in the department to review by august 2023 but i want to bring that date significantly forward i know that um, the doi are already looking at the transport links but again, I want to seriously look at that as well and I'll be contacting um, Chris Thomas, the Minister for the Department of Infrastructure, to look at their response because before I took up this position, it was surprising how many people contacted me about you know, the connection and not being available and then having to get taxis. So the whole system needs a proper review. Just
1: finally, what what you know, in terms of budget then, um, February comes, the Treasury Minister gets up on his uh, feet and says... Um, actually sorry health you're only going to get half of what you need uh, in terms of the increase at least um, who who ultimately then takes the, the flack for whatever decisions are taken because of course you've got Manx Care as a stand alone agency Manx Care will say well Sir Jonathan Michael said that this is how much we're going to get and yet you minister are delivering us 5 or 10 million short and um, how does that relationship work? How does the, the whole accountability thing work there? Well, what
0: we've got to do is we've got to remember we have a department plan that's very clear and we have um, an island plan that says we have to deliver an island of health, you know, of health and well-being. And part of that, there is a cost attached. So if we are significantly short of what Sir Jonathan Michael's um, formula says very clearly, then we'll sit down with Manx Care and we'll work out a strategy, we'll work out what services we can deliver, and that may not include any new services for the next financial year until inflation starts to come down and the cost of living starts to come down. But we'll have that robust discussion. We'll bring our colleagues in for Treasury. It's always my aim to have a a, um, a tighter financial oversight of MaxCare going into the next administration. We'll work closely with them, and when we start to identify areas of concern, which should be on a quarterly basis, we will then bring them to Treasury's attention and we'll address them. And if at the end of that, we have to go back to Timbald and ask for a supplementary vote, then we will do. But we have to make sure that we're getting absolutely the maximum amount of value out of every pound that we spend
1: in our health and social care system. The relationship that you have mm. with your members—I mean, you, you've mm. experienced it the other way around uh, You've been a member of, of several departments, so you know how that w- that works. Um, how different is that, as minister? Um, you know, uh, how do you engage with your members and keep them involved? Because I know, as a minister, you've got huge amounts of additional pressures, much more than you would have as an ordinary member in a department. And actually, being able to keep your members actively engaged and involved is not the easiest things to deliver. No, it isn't. Um, Obviously,
0: I've come out of somewhere like um, Department for Enterprise, which is very clear, defined. You know, I was a charge of uh, motorsport and tourism, so I had a real good input into that decision-making process. I had a very good minister. Well, I had a number of good ministers, which were really good um, for my progression, as we say. I've gone into health where health is, is is a little bit more smaller, it's a little bit more concentrated. Um, I have the first thing I did was to try and define the roles for the political members, so I've obviously appointed a political member that has responsibility for quality and safety. I have another political member that's solely responsible for legislation and policy to, to guide us through that. And I have another political member that is respons- is now responsible for delivering the mandate. So the mandates, that Bible, as I said, like fixes out those objectives that um, we'll be holding Manx care to account. So they've got defined roles. But as the minister, uh, in the first four weeks, I have been involved in far too much, and I've desperately tried to spread that out. But we are a young team. We are a new team, not just politically, but on an officer level, Obviously, we've got an interim chief executive at the moment. We've got, um, as I say, vacancies within the department that need to be filled as a priority. We need people, and that's not just the public, but also my colleagues within Council of Ministers and in Timwall to give the department time to settle in and to adjust and then to allow us to focus all of our attention on manx care around the, the delivery of services and to improve services, because as you say, access is the hardest part. I think there is the actual services being delivered on the island are excellent. That's the feedback I'm getting back, which is really good. But then afterwards, we've got to focus on changing. The policies legislation. So, we want to look at pharmacies, making sure that we can um, bring in an independent pharmacist in Ramsey as soon as possible in order to open that market and to give people choice. We also want to bring through mental health legislation. The legislation program is massive. We need to make the changes, but we also have to listen to Manx Care because Manx Care will tell us that we need to change certain parts of legislation in order to help them to do their job. So, as a as the the minister, I have a lot of different relationships. It's different from when I worked in a, a single department, where all the decisions were made in the de, in the department. I'm having to deal with at least two arm's length organisations, and that is really tricky. And I'm I'm having to learn so much
1: myself. And as if that wasn't enough, you are also responsible, along with your members, for steering through the legislative uh, program mm. that you mentioned. And again, I I think uh, perhaps uh, members of the public really don't appreciate just how complicated that can be. Uh, You know, you're not there purely to answer constituents' email or or even uh, other members of the uh, people from across the island. Um, you, you have to provide this leadership role. You've got to keep your members on board. You've got to keep within budget. Uh, and um, when you're short of something to do on a Sunday afternoon, you've got to read through some fairly dry legislation to make sure it actually delivers what you want.
0: Yeah, and those are the conversations we've got to have, but they can only be be done with the engagement of the likes of Manx Care. listening to what they are saying where there's gaps, listening to say where the services are not working so for example i should say the pharmacy regulations we're going to update that as soon as we possibly can because that's a they we know that the service is struggling in in ramsey there is a monopoly we know that lloyd's pharmacy is having employment issues you know trying to recruit vacancies so we've got to listen to all of that concerns and we've got to try and help people because i don't think any of us wants to see people waiting two three hours to get a prescription so we've got to listen but unfortunately the hard part is is to make that change, there is significant delays because we've realised that the regulations aren't fit for purpose. They should have been, I'll be honest, they should have been changed three or four years ago and they never were. So now it's landed on my desk and I've picked it up as a priority. But at the same time, I'm also having to make sure that we are absolutely delivering improved services. And that's the, the key thing. And, I, and the, the access to services, as I keep saying, is, is one of the difficulties. But the amount of people wanting to access services is a serious concern for our island. So I was having a, a meeting with a doctor not so long ago, and it quite startled me to find out that here on the island, the average person used to see the doctor one and a half times a year, which was pretty okay. But then now, the average is nearly seven times a year. So you can see straight away there is significant pressure on our GPs so we've now got to work out exactly why there is so much pressure our population hasn't grown So why are people wanting so much now to access their doctors? And that is one of the reasons why people cannot get through to their doctors because everybody's ringing between 8 and 9 o'clock or they're ringing at lunchtime. So that's another thing that's a priority of mine is to say, is there any other way we can help doctors to deliver the service better? But we have to acknowledge that they are private contracts as well. So these are all the relationships I have to forge as the minister in order to help improve the service, which is what people want but also listen to the concern from the person who's delivering the service, which is the GPs. And every time I've gone to um, speak to anybody, I normally give my concerns, and then I normally get twice as many concerns back. So when you speak about GPs, they talk about how much significantly less they are paid compared to their counterparts in the UK. But that, again, goes back to finance, which is another problem. So it's, it's a fascinating role, but I've never met in the four weeks I've been in the role, I've actually had an easy decision to
1: make so far way back in time now it mm. feels back in 2004 i was member for health and we agreed a digital strategy mm. um, if covid taught us nothing new, that the silver lining of the covid cloud has to be uh, how people have moved and the, those who can at least have, have moved online a, as much as they possibly can because it, the interactions that that, uh, that they need with the world on the whole can be conducted online how how fit for purpose would you say the health service is in, in terms of getting more uh, on, on, online uh, responses and, and potentially then reducing uh, some of the, the unnecessary bureaucracy? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the the objectives within our mandate
0: is to get our health service more um, digital, digitally connected. Um, but the problem is, again, it comes down to cost. How do we fund it? How do we make cause it? It's not a small amount and it's going to take time, but you're absolutely right. If we can bring it in, then it will improve the services. So maybe we have to take small bites. And as I say, GPs may be the first starting point. How do we encourage the public? Maybe who don't need to see the doctor. Is it, um, is, are they going to the doctor for the wrong reasons? Is there somewhere else they should be going to get that advice and that support? So these are all the difficult conversations and I say I've come into this role in less than four weeks. I've spent so much time reading, trying to immerse myself into this particular role, but it's going to take time. And I have to understand all of these key problems that people want. They want to see an improvement. We also want people to take more responsibility for their own health and wellbeing on the island. That's a government key objective. But how do we do that when we've seen that, say, for example, there is a massive increase in mental health services and long COVID? Um, and that's just a couple of things. And when we're talking about mental health, obviously, we've seen the question in Timwald recently about the significant increase in children act, wanted to access mental health services. You know, in, it, there's been almost an 83% in less than two years. Now, we need to identify and to research what is causing that and how can we help and support CAMS better because the service is overwhelmed. So there's a lot of very difficult conversations that the people of this island and the people who delivered the services here on the Isle of
1: Man need to have because we need to improve the services. Well, believe it or not, Minister, we are approaching the end of the programme. Uh, it seems to have flashed by. Um, one of the, 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 the problems about, or maybe not problem, uh, one of the, the things that is most notable about the department you're in is it has a habit of um, shipping its ministers. Um, assuming that you, you manage to stay in post for, for four years um, up to the next election... What, what are your ambitions? What, what would you hope that um, uh, Rob Collister, Minister for Health for four years, will have achieved?
0: Well, I'm hoping within the four years subject to finance and everything else that we do, people actually do see a significantly improved service. And I think that's more for the access. I also want to see a, a significant improvement in the culture and behavior within the health and social care service. I want people to start looking at the health and care service as as a long career op- opportunity. And that means getting into schools and uh, speaking to people and say, have you thought about having a career in here? I want to see more nurses being trained here on the Isle of Man. But that, again, we'll have to deliver housing to help people and support people with policies and um, and basically ideas to encourage people to be here. And at the end of it, you know, I want people to feel that we have a significantly improved health service, and I think we can strive towards that and, you know, make sure the people that need the service can access the service, because we know that the, the service, they when they get there, is significantly better than what they're getting in the UK, but
1: we're a long way off that at the moment. And, of course, government's ambition um uh, is mm. is very clear it's it's laid out in the in the yeah. uh, the plan um so it seems as though and certainly so far government's been mm. very e- uh, free and easy with the cash so uh, so hopefully next four years is going to be a doddle
0: i'm not sure it'll be a doddle but i think we do need to strive to have an island of health and well-being and allow, allow people to take greater responsibility for their own health and well-being But at the same time, when they need help, the help is there.
1: That was Health Minister Rob Collister, MHK. His department faces enormous budgetary challenges. So what do you think? Is he up to the task? Or will he end up going the same way as his recent predecessors? I think his comments about the challenges he faces and willingness to consider unpopular measures such as changes to prescription charges is refreshingly honest. But will Tinwald back him if he brings forward publicly unpopular but financially prudent measures? Please get in touch with Phil gone at manxradio.com and let me know your thoughts and views on the program. But for now, I'm Phil gone. Goromayo sungecha. Thanks for listening. Do you want to love Mondays?